Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Well, hello, Word of Life. Good morning. I'm so excited to be here with you. We've got a lot of great stuff going on in the life of our church, including all of our outreach opportunities. And I just, I really want to encourage you guys, if you're looking for a way to get involved, looking for a way to spread some cheer, hope for the holidays, it's a great, great outreach. And our team, they are out in the foyer ready to meet with you after service. Or if you're joining us online, our chat host will drop a link so that you can too participate in Hope for the Holidays. So, and we're going to celebrate. For the next few weeks, we are celebrating, y'all. I'm big on Christmas. It's coming up. It's going to be a good time. (laughs) And if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you might know that we have set a goal Right, Our mission here is to reach the lost, disciple the found, and empower the call. And one of our goals is to see 500 people come to know Jesus by the end of the year. So we have an update. They're going to put it back on the screen for you so we can see how many hands have been raised, how many people have come to know Jesus. Awesome! 417 people. All of heaven rejoices with us for you, for them, for whoever those people are. If you've made a decision recently, congratulations. You've made the best decision of your life. And for everyone else, I want to encourage you, continue to invite people to church. Continue to contend and to pray for people to come to know Jesus because it's working. 417 people. If 417 people walked into your house today, you would literally be like... It's a lot of people. So let's celebrate them one more time, everyone who's made a decision. <laughs> it's a great time to be in church, for sure. And if we've never met, I want to introduce myself. I'm Hillary. I'm on staff here at Word of Life Church, and I'm really honored and always semi-shocked whenever pastor asks me to share. So I'm excited that we get to hang out, we get to jump into God's Word together and, you know, talk about some happiness. But before we do that, I just want to pray and go before the Lord. If you would pray with me. Father, we just thank you so much for this day. I thank you for this time. And right now, we welcome you in this place. Holy Spirit, move. Have your way. We lay down our agenda and we pick up yours. Our eyes are open. Our hearts are open. And our ears are open to all that you have for us. And it's in your name we pray. Everyone says. I'll say it like you mean it. Amen. It's 1130. Y'all are a little rowdy. Got a little extra sleep. So yeah, we're going to have fun. Come on, extra sleep. (laughs) Yeah, so we're just going to have fun and we're going to chit chat. I'm more of like a pal. So that's that's how I'm going to talk to you, like friends, because we're friends, right? Right. Amen. So good. So, as y'all know, we are in our happiness series, The Recipe for Happiness. And I'm really excited I get to share, because if you ask my friends, family, coworkers, loved ones, I'm pretty happy. Like, I stay, like, right here probably 80 to 90% of the time. The other, like, 10, 20% is because of traffic, and we're not going to talk about that. But I do get a little road rage, so if I've honked at you, I'm sorry, I repent. You just caught me in the moment. But... 
I am excited to talk about happiness. And last week, Pastor Joel kicked it off. He mentioned the triangle of happiness or the pyramid of happiness and how there are three ingredients that we need to cultivate and work on to achieve happiness. And they are relationships, purpose, and security. Right? So if you hadn't taken notes, the message is up. You can check it out on YouTube, all that good stuff, podcasts. So you can listen to it later on the way home if you need to catch up. But very, very good message. And maybe some of you are bakers in here. I know Miss Brandy, she bakes. She can make a cake with her eyes closed, I'm sure. But maybe the rest of you are like me, and you have no shame in your boxed cake game, like you need the Duncan Hines, the Betty Crocker to help you out. Anybody? Thank you, thank you. That is me. And I've learned that even with a boxed cake, you can have all the ingredients measured out for you, Set aside, you can use the cage-free eggs, the artisanal vanilla bean frosting, or whatever it may be. But if you don't follow the instructions that are on the back, you're gonna, you might mess things up. You know what I mean? Like, you wanna have, you want your cake, or whatever you're making, to look like what's on the front of the box. But as someone who has burned cookies way too many times, I cannot stress the importance (laughs) of following the directions that go along with the ingredients. And that's true for baking a cake, it's true when you're roasting coffee, and it's true when we're on this pursuit of happiness. So pastor's giving you the ingredients, but I want to talk about a few instructions so that we don't miss it. And I feel like if we don't pay attention to the instructions that are on the, on the box or the God instructions that have been laid out before us, we run the risk of messing up our final image, of missing our final destination. And if we don't heed what the Lord has to say, it's a lesson that we have to learn the hard way. And let me be honest and be real. It's like I said, we're friends. I'm real. I've missed it. I've had to learn this lesson the hard way time and time again. But I also know in the Bible there are examples and instructions that that God has given that people have missed, and they've had to learn the lesson the hard way. So we're going to learn from their mistakes, and hopefully we'll learn from some of my mistakes. And as we go out and we continue to pursue happiness, continue to, to live this life that we, have, we are called to live, it's my hope and my prayer that we learn to listen to the instructions every now and then. Sound good? Great. (laughs) It's going to be a good time. And I know like talking about obedience and following instructions isn't like super glamorous or fun. So I'll try to add a little glamour and a little fun just to keep it interesting. Um, But the first scripture I want to read to you is Psalm 119 verses one through three. And they'll have it up on the screen. And it says, joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Hello. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all of their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his paths. So that's one of those verses or sections of scripture that kind of gets you. You're like, man, the instructions really are a little important. I know sometimes I like to skip ahead. You know, when you have like Ikea furniture and there are pictures, and you're kind of like, eh, I don't need that. I can figure it out. And then it takes you ten times longer. Uh, But it says right here that people who are joyful are people who follow God's instructions. And we're trying to get to happiness. 
And it might be a little difficult following the instructions on the front end, but joy comes with those instructions. They kind of go hand in hand, peanut butter and jelly. Going to use a lot of food references because series. But there are tons, tons of stories in the Bible, as I mentioned before, of people being given instructions and missing it. And they may have missed out on some joy. They may have missed out on some happiness because of those missteps. You know, just right off the bat, we have Adam and Eve right in the beginning. One rule. One job. Didn't follow the instruction, did they? Right. Fall of man, and here we all are. Then there's Jonah and the whale who was told to go preach to Nineveh. He said, not doing that, turned the opposite way, got thrown off a ship in the middle of a storm, swallowed by a fish and spit up on shore just because he didn't follow his one instruction. That's a lot. I'm not trying to get thrown off of anything, swallowed by nothing, (laughs) right? I'm trying to learn from his mistake. (laughs) And then there's also Moses, And that's who I really want to talk about today, because he had a huge task, right? He was freeing Israel from Egypt, a whole nation, a whole people from slavery. So praise God, the Lord gave him some instructions on that, because that is massive. I mean, I need directions to get from my house to almost anywhere. Now imagine having to free an entire people. So God gives him instructions on this whole journey through decades of travel, and he makes it, hits the mark a lot of the time, but he also misses the mark a couple of times, and we're going to look at that today. So we're going to take a look at Exodus chapter 17 uh, and talk about water from the rock, and you might know this story Um, Israel, they've just been delivered from Egypt. They're on a trek. They are on a journey. And they are complaining. They are fussing. They have no gratitude because they are parched. In fact, they complain to Moses and Aaron. They're like, why would you do this? Even as slaves, I at least had like a smart water waiting for me. But here in this wilderness, I can't get a drop. What is going on? And they are actively angry. It's not just complaining. Like, they are big mad. And it comes to the point where Moses turns. He asks the people, why are you testing God? He's taking you out of slavery. And then then he turns to the Lord and says, what am I supposed to do with these people? So we're going to pick up at verse 5. And said, the Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people. Take your staff the one you used when you struck the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock of Mount Sinai, strike the rock, and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. That is so cool. That was a recipe for water. (laughs) Literally. In a desert, the Lord gave him his ingredients, said you got to have the elders, you need to have your staff, there's got to be a rock, that's what you need. And the instruction was, strike the rock and water will come out. Pretty good. Pretty great, actually. I hope if I'm ever in that situation, the Lord gives me a recipe for water. But if we flip forward in our Bible a bit and we go to Numbers chapter 20, there's another instance of... Israel needing water. In fact, this section is also called 
water from the rock. And again, it's been some time since that first instance of Moses striking the rock. Um, But Israel's back at it again, parched, thirsty, angry, yelling, complaining, all of that. And they're again turning to Moses. And they're like, why would you bring us to this horrible place? It is miserable. There's no water. Why would you do this to God's chosen people? They pulled the chosen card. Like, they meant it angry. And so we're going to pick up there in verse 4. And they say, Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness, that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grains or figs, no grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in the front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. So, another recipe for water. But I don't know if you guys noticed, this recipe is new and improved. Okay, the Lord said, all right, we're going to do this again. Get your rock, get your staff, get the people, ingredients, pretty much the same. But instead, the instructions this time were to speak to the rock, not to strike it. But Moses, he was relying on the old recipe, like the original recipe. But sometimes new and improved is the way to go. (laughs) So after he struck the rock, in verse 12... It says this, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Similar recipe, one misstep, and it cost him a promised land. They were in a wilderness because of one misstep, because he struck the rock twice instead of speaking to it. And I don't know about you, but speaking is a little bit easier than like a, like a karate chop of a strike. But Moses relied on old ways instead of trusting what God had for him. Instead of trusting what God told him to do. And I know this is a bit challenging, but I want to ask you, where are you today? Are you in a wilderness looking at your promised land? Is it within arm's reach like it was for Moses? but something's holding you back. And take a minute to really reflect. Is that something? Is it you? Is there a direction that the Lord gave you that you haven't completed yet? And it could be because you forgot, because, hello, been there. Lord told me to do something, and then I went about my business, and I was like, oh, no. (laughs) My bad. But there have also been times where I straight up told the Lord, nope, not doing that went the other way. Pulled a Jonah, if you will. And I just, as brothers and sisters, as family and as friends, 
I don't want to see you stuck in your wilderness longer than you have to be. Amen. I've been in a wilderness longer than I had to be. And it was completely by my own doing. And now looking back, I see where I messed up. I see where I missed it, where I missed the instruction. But just like in the story, even in the wilderness, God provided. He provided water. Even in my wilderness, even in your wilderness, the Lord, he's going to look out for you. And he's going to care for you. But some water in the wilderness is very different than promises and overflowing in your promised land. In fact, when you look up wilderness and what it means, it's, it's a place that is uncultivated, uninhabited, not hospitable, which as Southerners we do not like. And a wilderness is a position, is being in the position of disfavor. But when I look up the definition of promised land, it says that a promised land is a place or a situation in which someone expects to find great happiness. That instruction that, that Moses missed kept him was a wedge between being in a position of unfavor and great happiness. Because he relied on his old ways. Because he relied on what he thought was better, what worked for him in the past, and he said, surely it'll work again. And if you look at this text, which I find really challenging because I see a lot of myself in it, which, ugh. <laughs> you know, when the Bible's a mirror and you're like, oh, wait, I did that. I'm doing that now. That's what this does for me. But it, it, it's challenging for good reason because that means something needs to change and we're not too far gone to change it. Amen? And I love that God was still faithful to save Israel, but he also warned Moses and told him where he misstepped. Unfortunately, we're in a new covenant where Jesus died on a cross for us where if we miss it, we get forgiven. We simply have to ask, and then we can take that step forward into our promised land. But it's significant to me that Moses relied on old ways to prepare for the new hymn. And we can't do that. We have to trust that the most recent thing that God told us is what we're supposed to do to sustain us. I had a pastor tell me that a long time ago. And I was trying to figure out life, you know, as we do, as one tends to do. You're trying to figure out life. And I'm like, I don't know which way to go. I don't know to go left, right, straight, up, down. What do I do? And he said, Hillary, what was the last thing God told you? I was like, well, he told me to, you know go left. He's like, so why would you go right? Keep going left until he tells you to go right. That's a word, y'all. Remember that. If you don't know what the last thing God told you, if you forgot or it's somewhere in the recesses of your brain or scribbled in a journal, take a moment this week, today even, to reflect and find out what that instruction is because that's what's going to get you to your promised land. And we're all called to a promise. We all have something greater. And pastor says this all the time. If it's not good yet, God's not done yet. But it is going to take a little bit of action on our part to get there. Because he's a God of free will. 
He's a gentleman who waits for you to open the door and invite him in. He's not just going to barge in. So you have to take the time to reflect and say, God, I want to let you in. God, I've been in the wilderness for too long, and I'm ready to head to the promised land that you have promised me. If you stick to your old ways, you're going to miss out on the new you you're supposed to become. And today, we are here for that wake-up call. I know I've needed it recently. I've needed it over and over and over again. But it's so good that the Lord would take the time to remind us again and again that old ways aren't going to open new doors. The new way is going to open the door for us into the promises of God. And I told you, you know, we're pals, we're friends. So I'm going to get a little real. So we're going to tell a little story of when I missed my instruction. So I knew at 18, something significant happened. I was a freshman in college, and I knew at 18 years old, I was called to ministry. But I was also a freshman in college, so I didn't really know what to do with calling. I didn't know what that meant. So I went to live my life, yeah, go class, be cute, do the thing. And the summer before my senior year, I had that confirmation again, like, Rav, you're supposed to be in ministry. And I was like, oh, right, that Uh uh-huh, let's add it to the to-do list. So I I made a plan to pursue that. I was going to go to grad school, had it all figured out, applied to colleges, got into the one I wanted, made a plan. My mom was very happy, very happy, and it was all good, smooth sailing. And then I went into the school year, and right about almost all the way through the year, and around February, March, I decided, huh, you know what? I'm not going to do that thing that I planned that the Lord told me to do. Yeah, that seems like a great idea. It was not. It was not a great idea. I'm telling you right now. And like Moses, I let the people around me dictate my recipe. I let the voices, my friends, what they were doing, comparing with them, hearing what they had to say. I let that completely change the instructions that God had given me. And when I did that, I messed up my recipe for happiness. I messed up my recipe for getting to my promised land. And when I tell you the next year was challenging, it was so tough. I quite literally was in disobedience for an entire year. And it was one of the hardest years I've ever had to face. And you know you're in disobedience or you're in a wilderness when simple things are very difficult. (laughs) Like, incredibly difficult. I couldn't find a job. It took me four months to find a job. So I was fun employed. Good times. Once I got the job, it was fun for, like, a month. And it was hostile and miserable. And I was working all the time. I had no social life. And then on top of that, I was barely making enough to cover rent and groceries. Y'all, I ate dried cereal and lettuce. Not together. Those were my two meals. Breakfast was dried cereal. (laughs) Sometimes it was dessert. Holler at the Fruit Loops. And then I would have like literally romaine lettuce with some balsamic vinegar and like a little little olive oil for spice. (laughs) Difficult. And I'm working 
50 hours a week, 60 hours a week, and it's not fulfilling, it's not fun, it's not great. It wore on me. I looked haggard, miserable. You can ask my mom after service. There are photos to prove it. I didn't bring them today because they're embarrassing, but they are my reminder of my wilderness. And I came home, so that was like the whole year. I came home for Christmas. And I got to meet up with some of my best friends from here in Mississippi. I was living in New York at the time. Forgot that part. So I had to travel. Anyway, I came home to meet with some friends and just catch up with them. And they're telling me about their lives. And I'm watching them. And they're just smiling and grinning and laughing. They don't have dark circles under their eyes. Their shoulders aren't up to their ears with tension. They look kind of good. I was like, mm, I don't look like that. <laughs> What's the difference there? Oh, happiness. They were happy. I was not. And in those meetings and in that time with them, I realized that the place I was in, I chose that. I chose to be in that wilderness. I chose the dried cereal and the lettuce when I could have been having like a happy plate with tons of queso. That's what I picked. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> why did I do that? <laughs> and then when I got back to work and I went back to New York after some wise counsel from my mother, I quit my job uh, and was fun employed again, which was a little scary. Uh, but in that time of fun employment, I was able to press into God because I was like, something's got to give, something's got to change. And the only thing that's ever changed my situation, whatever situation it was, was the Lord. And fortunately, I was part of a great church. So I was serving more. I was reading my Bible more because, you know, all my friends were working. So <laughs> what else was I going to do? I was praying more. And then I took some time. One day in my room, I was meditating. Quiet time, all that good stuff at like 2 o'clock. And I was praying to God, and I said, Lord, what am I supposed to do? What do I do next? Because I know where I am is not where you want me. And I know I made the decision, and I know that I missed the step, but I also know that you are faithful enough to pull me out of this pit. And in that time of earnestly seeking him, and in that time of waiting to actually listen to what he has to say, he told me a new recipe, y'all, a new instruction. And he told me, go home. Two words to which I responded, are you sure you want me back in Mississippi? <laughs> but I knew that that was the instruction I needed to follow. So I closed out some things in my life there, loaded up a car, a rental car, and drove home and drove down. I didn't know that Mississippi was going to be my promised land. But when I tell you, getting from, I was outside of the will of God and jumping back into the will of God, there's a stark difference. I tell you, I drove home, I got back to Mississippi, I think it was a Sunday. By Thursday, I had a new job. That same week I was at work. And so I was like, well, 
that was really easy compared to last year when it took me four months. Here it took four days. Cool. Um, I had friends. I had community. I had word of life. I started serving here, and then a few months later, I was brought on part-time and then full-time. And I was able to start my career, my calling, in ministry. It came full circle. And even though I missed the instruction, just like Moses did, God was gracious enough and had enough mercy for me to say, that is still your promise, that is still your happy place, and you can still reach it. Just listen to what I am telling you. I also love that God's like, he didn't give me an I told you so, because sometimes those sting, but like, low key, he was like, see? (laughs) Everything is better out here when you're with me, when you're walking side by side with God. He showed me mercy, and the same God, he is living and at work today. And his mercy, he he didn't run out of mercy with just me, praise the Lord. There's enough mercy for all of us to go around. There's enough mercy and grace and patience and love for him to pull you out of your wilderness, the wilderness that you might be in right now. And if you've forgotten the instruction, take a moment and say, Lord, show me, what am I supposed to do? I think I missed it, but I know you won't let me miss it. And it's not too late. You're not too far gone. Even if you've been in disobedience one day, one month, one year, or longer, God still sees you. All of his promises are yes and amen, including the promised land that he's told you about. Maybe it's starting a new business. Maybe it's moving. Maybe you've moved, but you haven't really committed to where you're supposed to be. Because some part of you is still holding on to yesterday. It's holding on to the you of your past. But there's a better you in front. And when you follow God's plan for your life, when you follow his instructions to get you to happiness... You'll be glad you didn't look back. I wouldn't be standing here today, literally in front of you, if I hadn't taken the time to course correct. God wants to pull you out of your wilderness and bring you to your promised land. He does. He wants to do that right now. So if you're here in the room or you're watching online, before we switch over to our live host, I just want to take a moment. Close your eyes. Get really still. And tell the Lord, I trust you. And ask the Lord, Show me my my next step. And some of you know exactly what that step is. But if you don't know, take more time to listen. For some of you, your next step is simply saying yes to Jesus.
whatever that next step is, that's going to pull you out of your wilderness, we're going to take it today, together, as a family, as a group of believers, as just people who want to move forward. It's a good day to move forward. So at this time, our online hosts, they're going to lead you in a prayer to move you forward. And for everyone who's in this room right now, I'd be honored to lead you in that prayer. So if you would repeat after me, say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for not leaving me in a wilderness. Today I choose to pick up the new recipe and head toward my promised land. I thank you for your son and I thank you for your direction. And I say, have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. And before we go, oh yeah, we can clap. (laughs) If you would, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I do just want to ask and give every person in here an opportunity. If you need to make a decision for Jesus not just to pull you out of, your, out of a wilderness, but to be your savior, to be with you. Would you just lift your hand, whether it's for the first time or for the 10th time? Thank you, I see those hands. More importantly, God sees your hands. And he welcomes you just as you're welcoming him into your heart. So I just want to lead you in a quick prayer of salvation. So if you would, and everyone in this place, just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus, who died for me. And on the third day, he rose again so that I could have everlasting life. Right now, I choose to follow Jesus. And my best days, I said my best days, are starting right here, right now. In Jesus' name, everyone says, come on, 1130.